This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. June is almost upon us, and vaccination rates across Canada are soaring, which means we're not far from establishing a new normal that hopefully includes lots of hugging. In lieu of a real hug, today's show is throwing a virtual one around you all with yet another lineup of great Canadian women here to brighten the day, including another RBC She's the Boss profile to share. It's another hour just for you, beginning with Dr. Krishana Sankar, Science Advisor for Science Up First, a national anti-misinformation campaign in Canada that aims to combat misinformation around COVID-19. From mask myths to virus shedding, the campaign to undermine real facts feels unending, which is why it's equally important that the campaign for truth is just as robust. This week on RBC's She's the Boss, we're profiling the incredible Lola Ariyemi, a Nigerian-Canadian immigrant who launched a food and beverage company called It's Super, which currently produces Afrofusion soups and sauces. Lola felt there was a need to fill the void in mainstream retail and was undeterred from chasing her dreams in a very competitive market space. Things are a little quiet in entertainment this week, so Anne Brody is bringing us a mix of new and old, uh, starting with Cruella, Disney's new take on a classic tale with Emma Stone, plus A Quiet Place 2 in Z-Way. She also shares her top five picks for throwback summer blockbusters you can find on streaming services at home. A new report from Moms at Work, Canada's largest community for working mothers, shows that Canadian women are lacking fundamental support from their employers during the maternity leave and return to work process. Alison Venditti from Moms at Work joins me to share what they found. Are you caught in a state of blah or languishing, as a recent New York Times article shared? No surprise to hear, most of us are, as we remain stuck in lockdowns and restricted living over a year after this pandemic started. Thankfully, Kelly Boss, a returning guest to what she said, has some advice for those of us stuck in a pandemic rut. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Increasingly, as this pandemic rages on, it feels like we're always trying to debunk new misinformation. From mask myths to virus shedding, the campaign to undermine real facts feels unending. Dr. Krishana Sankar is the science advisor for Science Up First, a national anti-misinformation campaign in Canada that aims to combat misinformation around COVID-19. 
She is also the science communication lead for COVID-19 Resources Canada, leading a COVID-19 discussion initiative. Dr. Sankar joins me now to discuss misinformation and vaccine hesitancy. Welcome to the show, Krishana. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Candice. How soon after the pandemic hit did you start this initiative? Pretty much um, the very same month. So last March, March of 2020, um, a couple of uh, academics on Twitter were tweeting about needing um, volunteers or resources and reagents for lab work. So for example, like PCR testing um, and different things like that. And uh, this actually happened to be Dr. Tara Moriarty and Dr. Guillaume Bork uh, from U of T and from McGill uh, respectively. And so during that time, um, I was on Twitter and, and looking for a way to get involved in the cause. So I actually reached out to Dr. Moriarty and offered my services to help in whatever way possible. Um, and so from that, COVID-19 Resources Canada was actually born. And then uh, many, many things, and, and, and I guess it feels like a year more than a year now, but many months later, um, another initiative was born because we started to see a lot of misinformation floating around uh, during well, I mean, misinformation has been floating, floating around forever, but especially during this pandemic, we saw a lot of it happening last year. And so the second initiative, Science Up First, actually um, began with conversations, I believe, uh, last uh, September. Uh, and this actually started with uh, Timothy Caulfield and uh, Senator Stan Kutcher. So Timothy Caulfield does research into misinformation and understanding messaging around it. So Science Up First was then born around that time. And that was filled with a bunch of uh, scientists in that space. And COVID-19 Resources Canada is also a multidisciplinary team uh, that formed uh, last March. How frustrating has it been for you to see all the misinformation coming across? Um, I mean, as somebody who who obviously is rooted in science, this must be incredibly frustrating for you to see uh, some of the stories and things that come out. It, it is, it is. It can get extremely frustrating, especially depending on the context um, of the situation. So a lot of times um, when the misinformation, a lot of the misinformation that I've seen circulate or my colleagues have seen circulate, you know, amongst ourselves, we would wonder, you know, where is this coming from? You know, how did this come about? Um, where are people um, getting this from? And then trying to understand why people are uh, perpetuating the misinformation. And so it can get frustrating, especially living in this, um, you know, in this field uh, of, of work, doing it every single day. Um, but a lot of times I try, I try my best to bring myself back to center and try to figure out, well, you know, why are people, like I said, you know, trust, um, looking or, or falling for misinformation. And I think a lot of times the reason behind it is the lack of, there has been a lack of a lot of information around there with regards to um, COVID-19 and, and, and a lot of conflicting messages that the public has been seeing around, especially in the beginning around masking versus no masking. And now we know the CDC has recently come out uh, with saying fully vaccinated people uh, don't need to wear masks anymore. So a lot of the messaging, because there has, has been a lot of conflicting messaging, sometimes a lack of information or well, I shouldn't say a lack of information, but more so a lack of accessible information has caused a lot of people to go online 
Um, you know, so they're seeking out information, but they're seeking it out perhaps in the wrong places. Let's talk a little bit about the source of the misinformation, though, because I don't think it's just, you know, Susan who decided to randomly come up with this weird fact. There's a little bit of a sinister side to some of this misinformation coming out as well. How are you addressing that? Yeah. So for the source of the, so this is the difficult part. So a lot of um, uh, studies have come out during their uh, 12 particular people, uh, they call them the disinformation dozen, who have been perpetuating a lot of misinformation um, around COVID and vaccines and sort of fueling the anti-vax movements. A lot of these um, anti-vax movements are also based in um, white supremacist ideology. So they're actually being injected into these anti-vax movements, which is extremely, extremely, you know, worrying and dangerous. Um, So from Science Up First, our attempt is to basically flood social media channels with as much accurate information as possible. So um, that has been extremely challenging to do, but that's, that's exactly what it is that we are able to do through Science Up First. Do you have examples of, of, times when you've actually convinced somebody because I feel like you know you you could be putting all the facts out there but people are so set how do you get them to to come to understand that what you're saying is true yeah that's a really good point and so what I would start off by saying is um, our aim is not to convince the um, hardcore deniers. Those are not our audience. Those are not the people that we're targeting because we know that they're they're set in their you know in the in their ideologies. Uh, we're hoping to reach those people who are you know uh, the movable middle, essentially people who are looking for information but just unsure of where to go and unsure of what information to believe. And so some of the you know, some of the approaches that I have been using, for example, so I have been on several uh, vaccine Q&A calls where we do these uh, Q&A calls with different um, communities and organizations that um, ask to, ask for us to come in and, and have experts speak to them around the vaccines. And so a lot of times it's just, we notice, you know, it's people just, like I said, want the information. So it's about actually just engaging in a bit of conversation with them, trying to understand where they're coming from, uh, entering the conversation with um, openness and compassion, because a lot of times people are extremely um, scared. Uh, This is a very scary time. So just kind of coming at it with the fact that, okay, you know, we are also, you know, worried and concerned during this time, uh, you know, sharing our stories, as well as listening to their stories, and then trying to understand what their concerns are around specific topics or specific areas. So if it's the vaccine, and for example, a lot of questions we've gotten is around fertility, um, and the vaccines. And so completely valid, completely understandable um, concern. And so basically, me being able to identify with someone saying, yes, you know, uh, I would um, eventually like to have kids one day myself. um, And but, you know, I actually um, I know that the vaccines are safe Uh, through the science that we've seen. um, You know, we there is no evidence to suggest that the vaccines would affect our fertility um, for, for those who want to get pregnant and then engaging in that conversation and then 
also um, supplying people with, you know, the resources with this information. So a lot of times, of course, we, you know, the, the scientists and the experts will have um, academic resources, but actually being able to supply resources that are uh, in accessible language uh, beyond English, which is another um, topic as well, but also in understandable English for people to um, to comprehend. So it's it's not laden with scientific jargon. You have you have what would be called the curse of knowledge because you've been in this for so long, but people, not everybody has, you know, uh, received an education in science. So we do need that in terms we can understand and that is relatable. I imagine there's a lot of confusion as well that you're dealing with now around AstraZeneca. Exactly. There's, there's yeah, AstraZeneca topic. Uh, it's a daily topic. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it is. About, yeah. I want people to be able to follow along and connect with you to get the facts. Uh, so where can they do that? They can find me more uh, the most times on Twitter. Um, so my handle on Twitter is at Krishana Sankar. Um, and then I also share information through my Facebook page. And so my handle for that is at Dr. Krishana Sankar. Um, but then I would really urge people to follow um, resources like Science Up First. Um, so we're, uh, they can find Science Up First at, um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And so the handle for that is at Science Up First. So they'll find a lot of very, um, easy to understand, um, accessible information uh, through those platforms. Wonderful. And they can share it with friends and family. So thank you for joining me exactly. today, Krishana. Thank you so much for having me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Joining me now for RBC's She's the Boss is Lola Adeyemi. Lola is a Nigerian-Canadian immigrant who launched a food and beverage company called It's Super, which currently produces Afro-fusion soups and sauces. Lola felt there was a need to fill the void in the mainstream retail space for African-inspired ethnic recipes made by us for all. It's Super is currently sold online Canada-wide and via retailers such as Sobeys, Whole Foods, Ambrosia Natural Foods, Foods, McEwen's, Healthy Planet, and other independent retailers. Welcome to the show, Lola. Thank you so much, Candice, for having me. I'm really excited. I have to tell you what I really loved about your company is that when one looks out at the landscape, soup, for example, it feels like there's a lot of soup and most people would be deterred. What made you pursue this? That's a great question. There are a lot of soups, but there are same soups in different packaging. So I thought, why not bring a different idea of what soup is and what soup should be? Soup for us as Africans is hearty, it's rich, it's a gumbo of flavors, a bust of flavors in your mouth. And I thought a lot of the soups that are available right now are the, the same similar soups. And I wanted to just bring something new and fresh and interesting. So um, yeah, so that's what kind of encouraged me to do that because for us, we eat, actually eat soups and sauces every day together, separately, you know, so. <laughs> There's somebody listening to this right now, then, who has an idea in their head. What would you say to them if they were thinking about starting a business? I'll say, write it down, write all your ideas, evaluate them, do a feasibility, check where the gap is. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but look for a gap in the wheel. If it's a screw, 
put that screw in, it will make it for a better vehicle, right? So look for a way to improve what is already existing um, or create a new category, whatever it is you need to do, but write it down and do a visibility and fill a gap. When you fill a gap, that's when you're actually going to have success. So when you started It's Super then, and you looked out across the landscape at perhaps who your competitors were, did you have moments where you were discouraged and thought, I just, I can't possibly compete in this market? I'm still, I'm still discouraged. I'm still, I'm still struggling right now with imposter syndrome, being, you know, black female, being African immigrant, and a lot of the, in the soup category, it's a lot of big brands and then really small brands. So there's almost no middle level player. So it's, it can be discouraging. It can be frustrating, but then I get encouraged by the feedback that I get from consumers, from, you know, the, our retail partners. So that encourages me to continue because I know that I'm filling a void and also having a category, creating a new love for that category. Do you have mentors that you lean on and reach out to? Yes. Uh, I've been blessed to have mentors more so even this year when I put myself out there. Um, so one thing I'll also say to entrepreneurs, put yourself out there on LinkedIn, reach out to people because that's how I have actually acquired mentors. Mentors would not necessarily come to you because they're busy. So you go out there and reach out to them and you'd be surprised, pleasantly surprised how people are so willing to help. That That is one of the greatest things I think about being a woman entrepreneur in particular is that women uh, tend to be very supportive of women, sort of pushing back against that stereotype that we don't help each other. Yeah. What's next for It's Super? So what's next is basically continuing to really improve on the brand and increase our market share, especially within Ontario. And then we have two new flavors of sauces coming up. So we'll have a 3-0 of sauces, which is really we're excited about. And yeah, just growth improvement, creating a uh, better bond with our customers and our uh, retail partners and just growing. All right. So people then they want to find you and they want to, uh, you know, maybe even demand that their local <laughs> grocer <laughs> yes, carry please. your products. Yeah. Uh uh, where can they connect with you and, and where can they find you online? So you can uh, connect with us on www.itsuper.com. That's our website. We actually ship Canada wide online, but you can also, and you can find the retail locations where we are, but you can also follow us on Instagram. It's at it's super and um, Facebook and uh, Twitter as well, all at it's super. And are you offering your uh, your advice to people coming up underneath you uh, as a mentor? Yes, I'm actually paying it, uh, paying it forward, yes. So <laughs> I, I do that as well. People reach out to me on LinkedIn and I have empathy for them because I also reach out to others that have been successful. So um, in whatever capacity that I can, I also do that. So if you have an idea or a concept, um, you know, um, Find a way to follow me on LinkedIn. It's at Lola Ademi, and I'll find some time to give you help within whatever, you know, wisdom uh, I, I have. Lola, thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to know more about you, uh, they're going to be able to go to whatshesaidtalk.com. We have a profile uh, where you've answered some very personal questions that may help somebody else uh, starting their own business. So thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was a great, great time. Thank you to Lola Ariyami from It's Super for joining me today. And thank you to our sponsor, RBC. RBC is here to support you through digital first solutions, advice and services that go beyond banking to help realize your true potential. Because owning a small business takes something special. That's why RBC is behind you every step of the way. 
visit rbc.com backslash business. bit of a quiet week in entertainment and Ann Brody is joining me with a few of new the new releases but we're also going to touch on some old time summer blockbusters you can't miss welcome to the show Ann thank you it's going to be exciting so I want to talk about Cruella because I'm obsessed with this oh my god I haven't seen such an exciting film and I can't remember when and it's about a woman it, Emma Stone uh, plays the origin story of Cruella DeVille, Cruella Eva. And we remember her from the 101 Dalmatians. Well, you've never seen her like this. She begins life as Estella, a little sweet girl in England um, who witnesses her mother being hurled off a cliff by some unknown woman. And uh, <laughs> of course, it changes her. And she moves to London and becomes a street thief has a rough time of it, but really tries hard to make a go of life. We like her. She's, she has friends. And then something happens to her and she retreats into herself and comes out fully formed as this evil, hateful, murderous woman called Cruella DeVille. The old, the old Estella is long gone. And of course uh, she wants to be a fashion designer and she, she gets the attention of Emma Thompson who plays Baroness who is just as bad. That's all I'm going to tell you. There's so much that goes on. She has 47 costume changes. The sets are to die for. The pace is just outrageously fast and furious. And you're actually scared of her. I mean, it's strange that Disney is, has a, has a girl in who, who is like this character. It just seems out of, out of character for Disney. Emma Stone is wonderful. I've seen the trailer and she just looks like she nails this role. I do love Emma Stone anyway, so I can't wait to see this movie. Can we talk about A Quiet Place for a second? Because that A Quiet Place 2, I should say. They are only screening it and showing it in Montreal and uh, some theaters in Quebec. It's going to roll out as it can uh, when the theaters open. But I got to tell you, based on the um, trailer, wow, it is really tough stuff. It is very suspenseful. And the, family- well, the, first, the first one had us on the edge of our seat. So I'm sure this yeah. one uh, will as well. Uh, you didn't want to uh, not miss Ziwi? Ziwi. Yeah. She's an internet. Uh, yeah. An internet sensation. And she's a, a, a comedian, a provocateur. Uh, she's black. She's from Brooklyn. And she's on Showtime with her own talk show. I have never seen anyone cause Fran we Leibowitz to kind of shut down. She just goes after her. She says things to her like, all right, in the race war, what side are you on, black or white? (laughs) And she just says the most outrageous things. And at first I'm going, oh, I don't like this. And then I got into her rhythm. It's absolutely wonderful. It's hypnotic. She's brave and bold. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, that is a real find. And where can we, where can we catch that in? That is on HBO. Okay, excellent. um, Yes, Z-Way. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to touch on those uh, summer blockbusters. Can you rhyme off uh, some that we should be searching for? Okay. 
So very soon, it's almost time for JAWS, which is the first weekend in July. And you can find all of these on various streaming sources. Terminator 2 with Arnold, one of my favorite action films of all, all time. The Sixth Sense with Joel, uh, Hallie Joel Osment, who um, absolutely charmed us in this crazy M. Night Shyamalan uh, thriller. Um, and of course, Animal House, which piques your interest. Oh, uh, I, I, when you shared Animal House with me, I laughed out loud. That is a classic. Uh, just a great all around movie. I, I, it's one of my favorites. I'm going to go search it actually this weekend. <laughs> sure. I'm going to add that to my watch list. Excellent. Excellent. And I have more on this, on this website. So, <laughs> okay, good. So people can go to what she said, talk.com to see the newest, uh, releases. And then you'll have a list of some summer blockbusters there to go search because we're not really getting those summer blockbusters anymore. Not like this, not these masterful, thrilling, uh, adventures action. I don't really like adventure action adventure anymore, but back then, oh my God, they were so brilliantly made. Wow. So. Yeah, so it's it's nice to actually have a little bit of a throwback. Looks like we're going to have a throwback summer anyway to uh, at least last year of not doing much. So, <laughs> so Anne, thank you as always for this great list of entertainment for us to watch. Uh, of course, people can get uh, this full list on what she said, talk.com and we will see you next week. See you next week, Candace. Bye. Bye. Ain't nobody gotta tell you what you gotta do. More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. A new report from Moms at Work, Canada's largest community for working mothers, shows that Canadian women are lacking fundamental support from their employers during the maternity leave and return to work process. Alison Venditti from Moms at Work wants women in Canada to be empowered in the job market and has made it her mission to inform women how to fight back against common tactics used to underpay, among other things. She joins me now to share some of the results from the maternity leave experience report. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Hi, thanks for having me. So this is a, a big uh, undertaking, uh, the maternity leave experience report. So you surveyed over a thousand women, correct? Right. Yes. All right. So let's talk about some of your findings then. I when I when I went looking for information to start, no one had ever studied this. There's an assumption that because women have a long protected leave. It, maternity wise, that there's no problems, that we've got it all figured out. And anecdotally, we all know that that's not true. So we hear individuals experience, but what nobody had done was gotten a broad consensus uh, because it's always been a them problem or maybe a small business problem. And what we found was that was not true at all. So we surveyed over a thousand people across Canada um, who had had children within the last 10 years because we wanted to keep it for people who had multiple children as well. And what we found was that 95% of the women who were surveyed received no formal support whatsoever in their return to work. So that means formal support would look like how you're onboarded, where you would have a, identify who you had to talk to, you were maybe offered um, some support in like finding resources, anything, anything. So I was pretty broad in what support looked like and people were like, nope, I got none of it, I had to handle it myself. That's 
upsetting to think about. I mean, I, I remember when I went back, I'm thinking back to my experience. When I had my first child, I knew I wasn't going back. Right. Uh, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. So our, our women finding that they have to deal with, um, you know, discrimination when they return to work uh, because they're now a mom. Yeah, there's a whole, so throughout the survey, I think, I think it was as someone who does this passionately, I knew there was a problem. I didn't realize to what extent it was. So 33% of respondents said that they were discriminated against at some point during this transition, during pregnancy or return to work. Um, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who have felt discriminated. That can be anything from um, comments on their pregnancy, lots of comments about their inability to be present at work, uh, that they'd given up their career, more blatant things. Lots of people were laid off, terminated. Um, some examples, people had gotten CC'd on emails where they're like, well, now we can put that one out to pasture. Like really, really awful things are being said. Uh, and what we were trying to find was the whole process of getting pregnant at work, leaving, going on leave and coming back, the whole system is very broken. It, it was upsetting to read all the statistics. Like almost 20% of people said they didn't know who to contact or they didn't have a contact for how to get back to work. Going back to work, you know, after being at home for a year yes. is, is a big, uh, it's a big change. And I was, yes. I was sort of alarmed to read here that 79% of women surveyed were not provided with options for a gradual return to work. So that big shift from being at home to back at work all of a sudden, and it, it, that's got to be hard to adjust to. Well, and what I'm, my expertise is in return to work in all sorts of other leaves. And what i I think people don't recognize is so a graduated return to work for anybody who doesn't know what it is means that you start something like three days a week, you move up to four days a week, you move up to five days a week. That's the gold standard in leaves professionally. So if you have a workers comp claim, if you're on short-term disability, that's the standard. And in order to do that leave, you get a case manager, you have a plan, you have a calendar, there's all sorts of supports and why it doesn't move over to maternity leave. I'm unsure, but it's what, women have said that they really want, it would make it easier to transition. And what we know from the science behind all these leaves is that by doing this, you really then save a lot of money on the other side because you miss less time from work. You've managed to like integrate properly. You feel more supported. There's so many reasons to do it. And I just have not, no understanding as to why that wasn't picked up at all. You mentioned gold standard of, of, of this. Who, is there somebody doing this that you know of? doing the mater graduated return to work or doing maternity leave? No, the graduated return to work for maternity leave. Let's, let's put them oh, together. Yeah. yeah, no. So this is, I've been thinking about this problem for about six years. And so my solution, which is ready to return, took me about five years to come up with because how do I say this nicely? <laughs> how do I say this nicely? There are so many gaps in this process, which is very easily rectified by putting in simple policy you know, imagine that you went on maternity leave and someone handed you a folder and said, here you go, Candace, you let us know if you want to keep in touch while you're on leave. Do you want to be invited to the holiday party? Um, what kind of options would you like for return to work? Here's how you collect maternity leave benefits. If you have any questions, here's your contact. Like such simple stuff that makes this whole process easier and lines you up for success as you come back so that there's no questions. It makes your manager's job easier. You have someone who knows the answers to your questions. Um, 
And no one's done it because as with a lot of things with women, it's just sort of like swept under the carpet as like a women's problem. But what's happening now is that men are going on paternity leave too. And the same experiences are happening to them. So now, now I feel the moment is to let, we can fix this very simply by just fixing the policies and procedures around how we manage this. You know, you obviously you've done, you've had three maternity leaves. Yes. <laughs> so yes. were they, were they all, um, similar for you or was one experience better, worse? Um, so I was employed as a return to work expert. My job was return to work. And after my first maternity leave, HR didn't know the answer to my question. I said, hey, can I do this? My son had medical problems. They're like, we don't know, ask your manager. Manager asked HR. It was such a gong show. When I came back, I didn't have a desk. I couldn't get into the office because they hadn't given me a key card. Um, I didn't have any, any work for the first two weeks, even though I had run the division for a long time. Um, and after my second, I felt a little bit more prepared because I had um, done it before. But still the same rigmarole, still the same, I don't know, still the same issues. Between my first and my second, I had actually lost a baby. And I called HR and they said to me, I said, what are my options here? And they said, well, we don't really have anything, but it's good that you weren't too far along. And I was like, you know what? And that, and, and the one thing that we haven't put into talking about maternity leave and pregnancy leave is infant and child loss, which is a huge issue for everyone who's involved in that. Um, and so as part of the program that I created, I partnered with Pregnancy and Infant Loss at Sunnybrook. I was like, there has to be a better narrative that is so damaging to a woman's relationship with their employer by having someone very offhandedly make remarks or do things that you're not ready for because you're in a process of loss. Um, that needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed like yesterday. Let's talk about this for a second then, because I think a lot of businesses, uh, business people might listen to this and say, this is not my job. Right. Yep. Right. This is not my job to be uh, that that person or right. that uh, support. What would you say to them? How does this benefit them when they put these supports in place? So what we know is that maternity leave is the number one off ramping point for women. Number one, it's the number one time that women leave their employers. And women who are leaving their employers during this period have typically been with their employers for more than like have been working for between five and eight years. So this is not a junior employee. This is someone who you've invested in, grown in, has a lot of experience, has a lot to bring to the table. And by screwing up this process, you're pushing them into, the, into another employer's arms. The hiring process we know costs upwards of $50,000. When you talk about training, we're now talking about $80,000. And so I don't believe when companies are like doing women's awards and yay women, look at all the things we're doing. If, if you're ignoring this process and you're ignoring this huge experience in our lives for your mid and senior level women, then you're not dealing with the problem. So if you ask your employees, I'm sure it will come out. It'd be like, what are some things that you can fix around this process? They'll have lots of things to say. Everybody says the same thing, but by avoiding this topic, uh, you're really not saying that you're supporting women. I just want to give a quick shout out because we're running out of time. And there, yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to your Facebook group, which I am in and I follow along uh, faithfully. I would like people to go there because I, I, I am always um, happy to see the support that is in this group. So if you could please tag that for people listening and where they can find out more about you. Right. So uh, you can find it on Facebook. At, the, the group is called Moms at Work Group. And I'm on Instagram at This is Moms at Work. Um, so you can join, you have to answer a few questions and I will say that people love it for the reason that it's different. 
we are kind, we are supportive, we are focused on supporting women at work, we are focused on changing the system. Um, this is not your regular work and I find, you know, cotton underwear groups, like this is very focused uh, and, and that's why it's different. And I, and I should note before we say goodbye here that this group is also uh, very, like literally supportive. You will not find anybody attacking anybody in there. And nope. we, like we see that too often in Facebook groups. So I think this is important for people to know. Allison, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure having you here. We will have you back again soon. Great. Thanks so much, Candice. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. Are you caught in a state of blah? No surprise to hear most of us are as we remain stuck in lockdowns and restricted living over a year after this pandemic started. How do we remove ourselves from this state when our old fallbacks of freedom are limited? Kelly Boss is a psychotherapist, co-owner of Muskoka Mind and Body, a yoga and therapy studio located in Gravenhurst and is the co-host of the podcast Talk Therapy Pod. She's also a regular here at What She Said Talk, and she joins me today to discuss how to get out of the rut of the blahs. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. So it does feel like we're stuck in this, this state of no man's land, doesn't it? 100%. And I feel like we're kind of going in and out of various feelings throughout the day. And then I think often our resting spot is just that blah or that meh state. Yeah. It, it, and, and, you know, we have this ongoing push pull of our emotions. There's hope. No, there's not. There's hope. Oh, we're back in lockdown. Oh, look at that. Vaccines are going out. Yep. But now the variants are coming. So it does feel a little like we're stuck between two opposing um, feelings, really. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a great article in the New York Times by Adam Grant. Um, he was talking about the feeling and he was calling it languishing and saying like, like that might be that place to sink our teeth in to describe our feelings. Um, and so, I mean, I agree with you. I think we've been all over the map. And I feel like when we started in the pandemic, we were in that fight or flight or that anxiety, right? And so we were fully washing our groceries when we got home and washing our hands and, and doing really good with the social distancing, hopefully, and, you know, really trying hard in that ramped up place. But we only thought it'd be a couple of weeks, right? You know, we'll just cancel that travel plan and we'll get back to it very soon or by summer or by fall. And then I think grief started to set in a bit. So now we're grieving all the things that we're not getting to do and, you know, no dance show, there's no family trip to Cape Cod, whatever it is. And now he's sort of suggesting that we go into this state called languishing. And this is where we're not quite depressed because we have a little bit of hope and we're not quite burnout because we have a little bit of energy. We're not functioning at our full capacity. And that's what it feels like, you know, we're sort of, you know, there's the fight, flight or freeze. And for, to me, it feels mm -hmm. like we're in that freeze state. We're, we're stuck because we don't know which way to move, right? That's what it yeah. feels like. Um, so how are you helping um, your uh, patients right now deal with this state? Because it does just feel like we're not quite depressed, Yeah, but we're not overjoyed either. Yeah. Like are uh, we optimally functioning? feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So that free state. Well, so he, he actually gave some good suggestions in his article where he talked about we need flow 
And maybe we're better at this at the beginning of the pandemic with the sourdough starters and the knitting up a storm or learning a new language, whatever it was, people were kind of diving into something flow. Um, But that's hard. And I think that's even harder now with (laughs) e-learning not going away or in spits and spurts for people. And so he said, it's really important to get that uninterrupted time. And I find that really hard. I'm just praying our interview today will be uninterrupted. It's funny because we, we all strive on structure. Uh, and even though we've been locked in our homes, particularly in Ontario, uh, for almost a year now, really, um, it's still hard to maintain structure in your life, even though nothing's really going on when you've got e-learning and working and, and everything happening under one roof. Is that weird that it's hard to find structure? Oh, I miss it so much. There's just pieces where I could carve out alone time. We did one of our podcasts was on always lonely, never alone, right? Because it's kind of that moment where like everyone's on top of each other, but you kind of feel lonely for the things that, you know, a moment to yourself or structuring the day the way you needed it or wanted it or maybe seeing other people. So yeah, we've lost a lot of that. Um, And I think that this is where the place is maybe just trying to keep things reasonable for yourself. Uh, Part of it he was saying is to make small goals. I always tell that to clients, but I think it's also remind yourself that we're in a pandemic and this is really hard and different. And so I read a different article that was saying, Um, I'm not languishing, I'm dormant by Austin Cleon. And in that idea, he was saying, you know, this is like a plant, like you can't expect a plant to flourish in difficult circumstances. And this is the winter of our lives. And it just continues, although the sunshine helps, you know, so it's winter out there and maybe we won't flourish right now. And I love that article because it kind of took the shoulds out of the pandemic, like what I should be doing or accomplishing or learning, which can also be anxiety provoking or make you compare in a way that's not helpful. Absolutely. I saw I saw a tweet uh, today that made me laugh. Uh, somebody had said, you know, um, I wasn't as productive of, as I could have been, but you know, this was my first pandemic, so I'll be much better the next time. <laughs> and, and it's true. People have to lighten up on yourselves. You do not need to go yes. out and get a master's degree, uh, yeah. you know, while you're in this <laughs> pandemic, just simply keeping your head above water is enough. Absolutely. Waiting to be activated. I love that. I love that uh, tweet, but I also love that article too, because I just feel like, yes. So there's parts that I kind of relate to in both. And I think this is the thing in the pandemic. We're going to relate to different things at different times and it's okay, but maybe hold back from making huge decisions, hold back from deciding, you know, if you're doing things right, like maybe just getting one foot in front of the other is enough. All right. I want people to be able to connect with you, um, obviously online and through your, your, your podcast. And, you know, when your studio opens for yoga, I want, cause everybody's going to need that. So please list off where people can find you, Kelly. Yes. You can find me at uh, kellyboss.com or Kelly boss therapy on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think it's Kelly Flanagan boss therapy. And then uh, Muskoka mind and body is also on Instagram and you can find us in Gravenhurst, join us anytime. And we're also muskokamindandbody.ca. And then lastly, you can find me on my podcast. Our Instagram handle is at talktherapypod. Always a pleasure having you here, Kelly. Thank you so much. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. 
Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.